You're with Cape Talk. This is John Matham on Afternoon Drive. Rebecca Davis for BREE Street. What do you say? B-R-E-E, Brie. Is that pretentious? Uh, I've been told that people who say Brie instead of Brie are pretentious. So, um, John, have you done Cork Bay yet? <laughs> it should be Cork Bay, shouldn't it? Should it? I don't know. This is, <laughs> this is You've my already confusion. schooled me. You've already schooled me on El- Elgin. No, it's Elgin. What about the Elgin marbles? Aren't they the El- Elgin? No, they're the Elgin marbles. Mind blown, John. <laughs> yeah, and, and Margie says, how do you pronounce the river? I say the Breeder River. I don't say the Breeder River. So my point at the beginning of all of this was that there's no consistency, and I'm not sure that there should be a consistency, really. I also definitely would die on the hill of Clue Street. <laughs> Clue Street, not Clue Street. And in Durban, I believe the suburb would be pronounced Clue, not Yeah. Oh, goodness. (laughs) Goodness. Um, Let's get on to something else then. Um, Yeah, the census, Rebecca. I read the article that you wrote on Daily Maverick yesterday, and then Mike, who was standing in for me yesterday afternoon, also spoke about it. And anecdotally, I am hearing so much about how many people have not been counted. Some have made the effort and failed. Others simply haven't made the effort and have expected the state to get to them, and the state hasn't. Yes, that seems to be overwhelmingly the sense. And I think there's been a widespread misunderstanding or lack of communication about the fact that you could sign up to do it online. Um, I haven't met many people who have gone to that degree of effort, as you say. So, yeah, we we ran a survey running for about a month, actually, on Daily Maverick. 68% of our respondents said they had not been counted, not been approached in any way by census workers, which didn't surprise me because I certainly haven't. My parents haven't. I, I don't I think I know a single person who has been counted. John, but I must say, there are some valid reasons why South Africa is very hard in terms of counting. And I bring this up because I was in the pharmacy earlier today and I heard three people having one of those enraging, oh, the glory of the good old days conversations where they said, you know, back in the day, they knew how to run a census. Now, obviously, it's, you know, nonsense. Government can't do anything. I think they are very valid reasons why doing the census is getting harder and harder in South Africa, including the mushrooming of informal settlements, particularly where these often lack street names and residence numbers. That was reported this week to be another issue. Um, The census ideally wants to pin you to a particular address and in informal settlements, often there are no such addresses available. I mean, it's hard to know what an enumerator the census counters are supposed to do in that situation. Also, the influx of foreign nationals in recent years. We've also heard reports of foreign nationals kind of absconding at the site of the census worker, which I totally understand, because they're obviously afraid that they will be summarily deported, even though that is not in any way the census's uh, purpose. And then also, I think something we don't pay enough attention to is that increasing retreat of the middle class into complexes and behind high walls, into blocks, etc., which does legitimately often make it difficult for enumerators to gain access. They're greeted by very skeptical security guards sometimes or kind of guardians of the body corporate who won't allow them entry. And I think those are legitimate factors 
making counting in this country quite difficult. But John, I was also struck by the fact that there are some reasons advanced for why this census has not been going as smoothly as they would like, which I find pretty much inexplicable. Yeah. I spoke to Trevor Oosterweg, who's the spokesperson of the, the census for his sins from Stats One of the reasons he gave me was about car hire companies. He said, following COVID, and don't ask me how these facts relate, following COVID, car hire companies do not have the right vehicles that the census needs, be that a certain amount of seats or buckies. I don't know. He advanced this as legitimately one of the biggest issues for them. But the, the one that really blows my mind is the claim that they simply could not find people to do the work of enumerators. And this was allegedly particularly the case in the Western Cape, where Trevor Oosterbeck told me they have had to bust hundreds of people in from Limpopo and other provinces to count in the Western Cape because they could not get people to sign up. John, people who are employed by the census get paid 260 rand a day, roughly, which is not a lot, but it's also a pretty good deal for someone with no prospects of other employment. And I find it very strange that there would have been such apparent apathy. He did say that lots of people had applied but were found to be ineligible in some way. I think there were some kind of basic requirements, perhaps a matric or so, so on. But he also said to me that in the Western Cape, the problem was that people did not want to go and count in what he called the Cape Flats and certain difficult suburban areas. I said, are you saying that they didn't want to go in because of safety concerns? He said he couldn't actually make that claim. He wasn't sure about that, just that this was the story, that people didn't want to count. Even in the Cape Flats, John, I have to think that there would be residents of the Cape Flats, unemployed, eager for work, who would be more than happy to go and do that counting. It, 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 it is one of the reasons that I, I can't wrap my head around, and I'm curious to think, to hear what your take on that is. Yeah, I mean, that... <laughs> Ah, 260 rand a day when you have nothing. Are the people who are qualified to do the census unhappy with 260 rand a day? So if if you were offered a job, I don't know, putting pamphlets in letterboxes for 260 rand a day, you don't require any great skill for that, so you might well take it. But if you are educated enough to be able to conduct a census uh, relationship with a citizen, then 260 rand is not enough for you, given the the uh, the apathy and the antipathy that you might encounter. Does that make any sense to you? I find that again quite hard to stomach, given that I've seen you know in recent years people afforded me, for instance, people with basically almost PhDs in subjects like biochemistry looking for work as waiters and so forth. I mean, that is how bad the unemployment situation is. I think that being an enumerator is often a thankless task in terms of the um, abuse that you do face. I was reading today about someone who was given an earful by a woman because he thought he, she thought he was part of a team coming to gravel her pavement or something. But it is a mystery and one that I think deserves digging in more deeply because I'm sure even now that I've said people of the Western Cape won't do this work and they've bust in people from Limpopo to do it I'm sure there are listeners going hold on that is outrageous also outrageous or so it seems to me when I when I first read that uh, Pretty Patel had signed an agreement with her Rwandan counterpart would would see Britain sending 
immigrants from Africa who'd arrived on UK shores illegally to um, holding facilities in Rwanda. I, you know, I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Now, apparently, Denmark is keen on doing the same thing. I, I had exactly the same response as you, John. I, I actually didn't think it was real. Or I, Looking at the headlines at first, I assumed what it meant was that Britain had decided it would send Rwandan refugees and asylum seekers home to Rwanda, which is perhaps sort of more reasonable. But no, the plan is, as you say, the British government will be deporting asylum seekers and refugees claiming access in England to Rwanda. And as you say, Denmark wants to get in the action. And I mean, you can only imagine that Donald Trump is sitting there kicking himself for not having the um, the kind of spark of creativity to think of this kind of plan, which is really, I mean, it seems sort of dystopian to me because the optics are so abhorrent. You know, the, the, the West sort of outsourcing their refugee concerns to needy African countries. It's What's also been interesting to me is the kind of doublespeak around this. So Priti Patel, who you said is the Home Secretary who signed the deal, basically accused critics of the plan of being offensive to Rwanda. Her, her insinuation was like, when you're saying this, you're, being, you're saying some very horrible things about Rwanda, and I, I won't have it. Rwanda's lovely. Rwanda's an absolute paradise, which is obviously hugely, hugely disingenuous, given that it's quite clear that one of the Suppose one of the desired impacts is to have a deterrent effect that people would say, oh, well, I'm not going to risk seeking asylum in England if it means I might be shipped off to Rwanda, God forbid. But Donna, this gets me thinking that the joke would be on England if all these asylum seekers and refugees decided, you know what, maybe Rwanda is actually <laughs> a better deal than England. Because if you had to ask me whether I would choose as a refugee to be shipped off to Slough or some hideous British town... Rather than Kigali, I, I would find it hard to choose. And I'll tell you why. Rwanda has a frightening autocratic government. We know that political dissidence is cracked down on very harshly. Um, freedom of speech and such matters are a problem. But it has good economic growth. It's safe. It's much safer than South Africa. It's relatively stable, probably as a result of the aforementioned autocracy. And the population is very friendly to refugees because so many Rwandans have the experience of being refugees from the Rwandan genocide. They have incredibly progressive legislation around this and official government policies to promote social cohesion between foreign nationals and locals. I mean, it blows the mind to think of South Africa ever having the kind of progressive chops to introduce something like that. Formal policies encouraged to get the population to embrace refugees. Then, good coffee, lovely weather. I don't know, John. The whole plan is repulsive. But, I mean, the joke perhaps is on England for thinking that their sanctuary would be so much more automatically desirable than Kigali to me. And this is also not a joke. The Japanese have come up with electric chopsticks that make food seem more salty. This really is the kitchen gadget we've all been waiting for. I'm not joking, John. It is. The only, the only thing that strikes me as a bit kind of onerous is that you have to wear a little computer on your wristband. I, I say computer, I assume it's the size of sort of like a garment. So you have the special pair of chopsticks in combination with a tiny computer worn on your wrist. And it transmits sodium ions through the food to the chopsticks to give it an artificial taste of salt when none actually exists. And this is thought to be particularly helpful in Japan because so many people use so much salt, as do I, John, as do many of us 
Many of us have far too much salt. And this is why I urge our Japanese scientists to please get working on a model of this for forks and knives, because I would be among the first to sign up. I should also mention that apparently what is also being worked on from the same article is a lickable TV screen so that when you can, <laughs> when you're watching scenes of delicious repast spread out, you could just have a little lick of your screen and get, and get the, the basic vibe. Who would be going for this? I'm not sure other than my toddler Miles and dogs. And, but, and me, I'd watch Babette's feast on repeat. And within, well, within, we, within a week, I'd have licked through to the back of the television. Oh, that's I'd be licking the wall. There we go. And, it's progress. And you say unquestionably one of the finest deflections you've ever heard, the memorable response of model Sarah Talabi to questions about whether she kissed actor Timothy Chalamet at Coachella. Uh, somehow that story missed me. And I did not want to look it up. I wanted it to land in my ears from your lips. Go. Sarah Talabi model supposedly kissed Timothy Timothy Chalamet, actor, at this music festival. Then reporters kept bugging her about whether she had or she hadn't. And this is what she said. It's so good, John. I hope there are local politicians and public figures writing this down. Everyone is asking me if I was kissing Timothy Chalamet at Coachella. And that is a good question, Sarah Talabi said. But a great question would be asking our world leaders why the earth is now losing 1.2 trillion tons of ice each year due to global warming and why climate crisis reform has been completely ineffective. Oh, that's good. That's very, very good. And you see how culturally aware I am. I didn't even know it was pronounced Timothée Chalamet.